This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. The long-awaited infrastructure plan that President Trump has been talking about now is out for review. The $1.5 trillion proposal includes about $200 million of federal government investment for a variety of different ideas. But the expectation is that the remainder of the money will come from states or the corporate sector. And there is already concern that this plan will not do that. This idea is a radical change from the way that business in this area has been done in the past. The Highway Trust Fund has been traditionally an 80-20 ratio, with the federal side being the 80%. This proposal seems to flip that script and put the states now in the 80%. To take a deeper look at the plan, we are joined on the phone by Kevin Heaslip, who is an associate professor of civil and environmental engineering at Virginia Tech University, and also by Henry Petrosky, who is professor of civil engineering at Duke University. Gentlemen, great to have you with us today. Thank you for your time. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Uh, So give us your, your initial thoughts. Kevin, I'll start with you about the announcement of this plan. I think it flips the script from what we've seen in this country from the New Deal forwards. The federal intervention and uh, driver of infrastructure is just not going to be the way that it used to be if this plan gets um, enacted. And and what happens after that is, you know, it, it's going to be very interesting to see. Henry? Yes. Well, it, uh, to me, the uh, the plan really goes back to what it was before the interstates. Uh, the interstates, the split was about 90-10 federal. And uh, uh, that was really to entice the, the states to get on board. Uh, I think this has actually been coming for a long time. I think the handwriting has been on the wall. Uh, Congress in Washington has not raised the gasoline tax for about 20 years. And that's the principal source of revenue for the Highway Trust Fund that you mentioned. Uh, In in fact, uh, the taxes on gasoline of the federal government, which are 18.4 cents a gallon for uh, gasoline, uh, are outstripped by federal uh, taxes in many states, uh, California, New York, Pennsylvania, to plus times uh, the the federal is. And a lot of states in recent years have been increasing their gasoline tax to to raise revenue that the federal government is simply uh, not uh, providing. So so I I don't think this is a surprise. I think the federal government has been uh, promoting alternatives to uh, the traditional way, if you will, for example, since uh, the federal government has been promoting uh, hybrid cars and electric cars, that has cut down on revenue. Those cars simply don't use as much gasoline, right. nor do fuel-efficient automobiles. So that's a big reason why the Highway Trust Fund is not kept up with inflation, let's say, and with the needs that are perceived to uh be required to keep the infrastructure in shape. The uh, one of the big alternatives, and the, gov- the government has now, the federal government has now uh, preferred to go in this direction, is a user tax. It goes by that term usually, and that is that uh, cars drivers will pay uh, 
per mile of uh, driving on state roads, let's say. So if you live in Oregon and you drive a certain number of miles in Oregon, you will be uh, charged uh, per mile. And they're, they're, they've been doing this for uh, an on a trial basis now for a year or so. And uh, the federal government has been uh, incentivizing other states and even municipalities to try out something like this. So I, I think the handwriting's been on the wall that the federal government would like to get out of uh, funding infrastructure. We are joined uh, on the phone by Kevin Heaslip of Virginia Tech University, Henry Petrosky of Duke University. Your comments are welcome. Uh, we're talking about infrastructure and uh, the most important elements of it uh, that need to be addressed. 844-WHARTON is the number to give us a call with your comments. 844-942-7866. Or if you can't get your phone, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111, B-I-Z Radio 111, or my Twitter account, which is at Dan Lone. L-O-N-E-Y-21. I guess, Kevin, when you look at, at the traditional pieces of infrastructure, whether it be roads, bridges, rail, whatever, where do you see the biggest need right now? There's need all around. And uh, one of the challenges is that we, as a nation, and really not something that's an American phenomenon in itself, we like building new things, and we have a harder time maintaining things that are um, older. And one of the things that I'm thinking as we start moving to a new paradigm, like uh, like my colleague from Duke was saying, is that the people in the state houses and the local governments have to be kind of shaking their boots right now because. Where's this money going to come from? Right. Now, if you have a, you know, the Capitol Beltway in around D.C. or major interstate highway, you have a lot of demands on those roads. But who's going to pay for upgrades on Broad Street in Philadelphia or, <laughs> or other places where you just don't have the demand or the pricing mechanisms? Now, what's going on in Oregon is one way of doing it, but we're talking about huge amounts of money that will have to come into the capital fund. And what, what, the, what the states have been doing is mostly saving money and building money for operations and maintenance of the system. So if this cost to actually build new things gets put onto the states, then all new revenue streams need to be need to be created. And that, I think that's going to be something that's really uh, shocking to state houses all over the country. And there's going to have to be the infusion of the private money. And the question is, is getting $1 for every $4 you put up if you're a private company worth the investment in, in building uh, or putting up capital to build infrastructure. And it, go, sorry. No, finish up, please. And, and then you know, what we've seen is that we've seen foreign investments from Spain, Australia, and maybe even China wanting to put money into our infrastructure. And that would be a good thing to see the infusion of capital. However, are we going to see American investments in American infrastructure over time? 844-942-7866 is the number if you would like to join in on the phone. We go to those phones. San Antonio, Texas. Les is on the line. Les, go ahead. Hey, Dan. It's Les, that trucker that calls in occasionally. Yes, sir. How are you doing today? 
Absolutely fabulous. Uh, two issues on the public-private partnerships. You just need to look at the Indiana State Indiana Tollway, and then Texas needs to look at State Highway 130. Those are both pu- private-public partnerships, and they're both bankrupt. So that's not a really good option. And another option that nobody wants to touch because of that tax is the fuel tax. The uh, Amer- the American Chamber of Commerce, the American Trucking Association, the Elder Operators Independent Drivers Association all want the tax, the fuel tax, to be raised. It has not been raised since yeah. 1993, and that would be a big boost in the arm. I pump 1,500 gallons of fuel a month, and I'm just one driver. Imagine the teams that pump more than I do. You know, there's this vast, you know honeypot of money that is not being utilized. I just think it's really stupid that they're talking about anything besides a fuel tax increase. Les, thanks very much for the comment. Drive safely today. Henry, uh, where are you on the idea of the public-private partnership? Well, it's it's interesting that he brings up the Indiana toll road. That is some case study because what happened there was that the uh, private partnership, which uh, in most of these public-private partnerships, a lot of the control is given over to the private party. And uh, that means, in case of tollways, the right to raise tolls at will. And uh, in, in the case of the Indiana Road, uh, they kept raising tolls, and that drives down usage, of course. And in the case of Indiana, that drove cars and especially trucks off the tollway into onto uh, parallel roads, which uh, were not tolled, uh, but were not uh, built to take that kind of traffic, uh, the volume or the, the weight of it. So it not only uh, affected the uh, revenue of the private partnership, but it also affected the uh, wear and tear on the uh, public roads that uh, were not getting any uh, revenue from the users. So, so these are tricky, these public-private partnerships, and uh, I, I think the only solution, if they are going to be used, is that they be the, the, the contracts that set them up be, be written very carefully, not only um, from the point of view of the private partner, but also from the point of view of the public partnership, uh, so that the... the the commons, if you will, is, is, is protected. But they can be a source of revenue, external revenue. Uh, there's no doubt about that. So I, I, I wouldn't uh, discount them entirely. Kevin? I agree that the contracts need to be uh, put together very carefully. However, we've seen in Virginia and um, in Maryland that there are very um, – if you write contracts well, if you put them in things where the – the private partner can make a decent return on their investments, they can work out well. It seems like the the problems occur when the investment that the private company is making is not making a good return. All of a sudden, they may go bankrupt, and then the whole thing falls apart. So really, it takes a good analysis on the private party's part and also on the public uh, side in order to determine is this piece of infrastructure something that can generate revenue that will pay a return and keep the uh, private entity involved 
have them continue to maintain the roadways or or whatever piece of infrastructure that is. If there's no return on it, you're going to see these things that happen in Indiana and in Texas happen over and over and over again. So is there a business model you think that that actually can work uh, where, one, obviously the, the, the component that's kind of laid out now is that there is some investment by the federal government, but not as much as the past. Uh, the state government is involved, and and the and the private sector would be involved as well. You're you're talking about a lot of a lot of different interests in this point, Kevin. Well, and and if you look at the toll lanes around the Washington Beltway, the, those were all made. Uh, the capital was put up by Transurban, a an Australian company, and they worked with the Commonwealth of Virginia in order to have terms in the contract that had some, you know, made sure that revenue was there. Um, and that could be even guaranteeing the from the state level that if the revenue is not there, then subsidies would apply. That that could be one way of doing it. And another huge part of this bill that you know gets lost in or this plan that gets lost in the eighty twenty uh, discussion is the the concept of asset recycling. So uh, the Baltimore Washington Parkway, Dulles Airport, and yeah. uh, Reagan National Airport are set to be sold to private uh, entities if this uh, plan goes through. And, and certainly in the in the Washington area, all of this talk has uh, been very controversial. So, you know, is this something where we can sell off assets and the federal government starts to bring in revenue that way that they could use to redistribute um, to to this program as well. And I think that's a huge part of this, because if we start selling off our federal assets, then, um, you know, that's kind of a one-time uh, shot in the arm to the to the program. Well, Henry, I wanted to talk about the air- airport piece to this as well, so I'll, I'll throw this to you. Can, can we realistically think that some sort of plan like that, selling off uh, these properties is a good idea, especially when you're talking about uh, the, the the rules and regulations that are in, obviously involved with these particular properties as well. Well, again, I think it it, it depends on on how carefully the the uh, transfer, if you want to call it, is is crafted. Uh, there there have to be um, you know, guidelines of how the private owner will maintain and operate uh, even beyond what the federal regulations already are, uh, that should be able to be handled. Uh, you're either a good steward or you're not. And uh, if, if you're breaking the rules, then you, you lose your property. Uh, that happens with a house owner. If uh, you, know, you don't pay your mortgage uh, or if you don't, in certain communities, keep up your property to a certain standard, uh, you're the loser. Uh, there has to be enforcement. Uh, I, I think one of the reasons our infrastructure has deteriorated to the point it has is there hasn't been strict enforcement, let's say, at the state level in, in building a new highway and paving it. And if it's not done uh, to the quality uh, that it was uh, contracted for, there often is not sufficient uh, penalty for that. That that kind of attitude, I think, has to change, and that would be a big way of improving our infrastructure, essentially without it costing us anything. 
844-942-7866 is the number if you would like to join in your comments or questions. We already heard from our friend Les, who's a trucker out there on the roads. He was in San Antonio. Uh, more of you, if you'd like to give us a call and your thoughts on infrastructure at 844-942-7866. Or if you can't get to your phone, you can send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at Dan Loney, L-O-N-E-Y 21. Uh, Kevin, one of the things in this region, which is obviously drawing a lot of attention with this potential new bill, uh, is the is the tunnel that has been pitched forward uh, about rebuilding the tunnel between New Jersey and New York uh, for the rail service, uh, which obviously is an important thing. And in the wake of uh, Superstorm Sandy a couple of years ago, uh, that was a big concern. Well, and the interesting thing about what's happening here is the the focus on whether transit is something that's important to um, to invest in versus you know versus cars, and this is actually on this, this discussion is going to get more and more pointed because if you look at the distribution of the funding, the two hundred billion dollars, um, fifty billion dollars, one quarter of the money is is earmarked for rural block block grants yeah, yeah. and and if with that distribution that's really taking money and and the 200 billion dollars is essentially cuts from transportation and energy and one of the biggest cuts in transportation is for uh transit and rail and so what what this plan is saying is we're we want to invest in highway transit and we really want somebody to come in and privatize the uh, public transit and Amtrak, and so this is you know, so when we talk about rebuilding uh, a transit tunnel, is that something that's going to be a priority in this bill? I'm not sure. Um, one would say that you know if it's important enough to the people of New York and New Jersey, there's enough capital on Wall Street that uh, you would want that to inflow and and make the the project happen. But is there enough revenue in you know, and trains going back and forth where they can return, um, get a return on their investments. And and I think that's going to be a very tough thing to, to justify. Well, Henry, that the, the, the rail a- aspect of this is obviously an important one. Uh, when you think about uh, Amtrak and the funding that it is needed to have uh, over the last several years, I think here in Philadelphia uh, with SEPTA and, and the regional rail here and all the extra funding that it had, it has had to get uh, from government. And, and these are elements that I, I think are important to certain sectors of the community, but financially they continue to need assistance seemingly year after year. Well, these are these are going to be tough decisions that uh, municipalities and regions and states are going to have to make. Uh, down here in Research Triangle Park area in North Carolina, where where I am, uh, they've been trying for years to get a light rail system connecting Durham and Chapel Hill. Uh, they were counting on the federal match under the prior model, uh, so this is this has thrown a monkey wrench into all of their planning. But now the, 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 the system down here is going to have to make some hard decisions. Is this light rail system really something they want to go ahead with? And if so, they're going to have to raise the money. Uh, they do have sources. Uh, you know, municipalities have a lot of access to revenue through sales taxes, uh, 
visitor taxes and through hotels and and so forth so there there is there is revenue coming in it's a question of how do you choose to spend it and i think this bill is uh, is uh, forcing uh, is, is going to force decisions like that if it becomes of, of reality. Well, have, I've, I've had the opportunity several times to drive on that I-40 corridor down there, and I guess the question is, is with the growth that that area has seen, uh, is that roadway and the other ones down there still able to, to handle the growth that, that is seen down there? And I guess from that perspective, the idea of having a light rail system between Durham and, and Chapel Hill, and maybe even beyond that at some point, uh, was seen as a necessity to kind of take uh, or to alleviate some of that issue. Yes, but it it uh, it would be you know a minuscule contribution in in, in my opinion. Uh, Raleigh, the third city in the research triangle, um, was once part of this light rail pact. Uh, they've dropped out because their planning is obviously showing them something doesn't compute. Um, maybe it's the rate of growth being too fast to really plan out for 10 or 20 years uh, a light rail system because it, it involves where are you going to put the stops, where are you going to elevate it, where are you going to have it at grade, and all sorts of decisions. What is the ridership? Uh, the reason the roads are so uh, uh, congested is people prefer to drive. It's 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 really as simple as, simple as that, and there have to be... Uh, you know, tough decisions made. As as I understand it, New York City is facing some of these tough decisions now with the traffic in the uh, Midtown area. Uh, how do you how do you keep cars out? That that helps traffic. Uh, they don't. New York doesn't need a any further uh, rail system. They've got the subway, uh, but yeah. people simply don't. There's a certain element of uh, the. Uh, commuting public that doesn't use it, and they, for some reason, want to use their cars. Well, Kevin, going back to something you were mentioning a second ago with the the money that was being set aside for, uh, you know, rural projects, uh, obviously, I think there's a, there's an element that is needed in that, but it, it, is it needed to be one quarter of the entire layout by the federal government at this point? Well, it depends if we're talking politics or if we're talking. Right. Uh, yes. You know, and and certainly, I think this is a um, you know a a pat on the back to the majority of the states that uh, that voted for President Trump. Um, one thing that I was thinking about, you know, when we're talking about uh, transit, though, is you know, is transit a public good or is it you know something that needs to be run like a business? And you know, Philadelphia has AT and T station, right, down on the Broad Street line. Yes. And uh, maybe we have AT and T station, Verizon station, and you know, we just you know auction off the rights to transit stations like we do on um, you know on stadiums, and and that's one source of revenue to help um, you know to help raise money but one one thing we're saying we're seeing is that we're going to have to be really creative in how we move forward because the you know the big federal governments and their their big checks are not not going to be coming 
uh, like they used to. And, you know, it opens up some challenges, but also opens up some opportunities as well. Well, it, what's interesting about that is, is yes, they have the, the, the subway station down near the, the, the stadium complex here in Philadelphia, uh, where AT&T has the sponsorship of it. They also have a, a stop on the regional rail system, which is sponsored by a local hospital system as well. But again, these are things that, that probably these companies are not used to doing. And you need to do it right. And so the concern is, is that are you are, are you putting resources into something that might be almost a continually revolving problem rather than, you know, really fixing what I think a lot of people would say are the problems of, you know, having the 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 proper infrastructure and having the trains running on time and not having something like happened a couple of years ago where you had. You know, a whole new fleet of cars come in, and half of them had to be taken off for a four to five month period because of a breakdown. If you know, if there's new money that comes into the system from the private sector, this could be a great success. If there's no new money that comes in from the private sector, if that money is well short of the one point five uh, trillion that the administration is putting out there, yeah. then this is going to be a real problem because it's not going to change the game at all. Henry. I, I agree. Uh, the, the, the key is uh, new revenue or creative ways of approaching old problems. Um, it's possible that the, the, the tax law, in conjunction with the infrastructure legislation, um, could introduce a new model into how we deal with uh, infrastructure in this country. Uh, corporations may be incentivized by the lower tax rate that uh, they, they will see uh, to do more uh, into the public good. Uh, it remains to be seen, of course, but uh, there's no reason to believe that that might not be an opportunity, especially right. if, if Washington uh, oh, sort of leans on them. A lot of this kind of stuff has uh, been done that way in the past and is being done now. And I'm sure continue to be done. It's you know when a new corp when a new business wants to move into an area, uh, they get all sorts of perks and, and allowances and and sometimes they're uh, wise decisions on the part of the local government, but um, not always. Uh, again, it comes down to contracts. Are are the uh, trade-offs fair on both sides? In, in other words, is it a fair contract? Great having you both with us today. Kevin, thank you very much. Henry as well. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much, Dan. Th thank you both. Kevin Heaslip of Virginia Tech University, Henry Petrosky of Duke University joining us here on the show. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.